uh, beginning at verse 12. Uh, as you're turning there, I will remind our kids that it is time for uh, our kingdom kids. We have a great uh, children's program. And uh, if you are ages four through fourth grade, which some were already getting going, then, of course, to the parents' discretion, you are released to Kingdom Kids. If you choose to stay, or if your parents want you to stay, you're going to listen to a great sermon. So we are picking up uh, Mark chapter 11, verse 12. If you please rise for the reading of God's word. Mark 11, verse 12. On the following day when they came from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to see if he could find anything on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. And he said to it, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard it. Picking up in verse 20. And they passed by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered away to its roots. And Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed has withered. And Jesus answered them, have faith in God. Truly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. And whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone, so that your Father, who also who is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. This is the word of the Lord. Father, this morning we thank you for your word. We pray that uh, as Pastor Nate comes and uh, preaches your word, Lord, that uh, your work in him that you have already done in preparation of this sermon is uh, complete, that our eyes and ears and hearts may be softened and opened to you and the message you would have for us this morning. Please bless him and bless yourself through the preaching of your word. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Thank you so much, Alan and Gordon earlier for leading us in worship, and Igor and Jason, the whole team. Thank you so much. Greatly appreciate it. One thing I really want to mention is uh, I, I had a new granddaughter this week. Her name is, she's right here. Her dad might stand up with her. There we go. Her name is Mercy Udit Beck. Yudit is a Scandinavian form of Judy. It's my, my bestest sister who has passed away. Her name is, was Judy. And Charlotte had a bestest cousin named Judy. So we've had some fantastic Judys in our life. And we celebrate. And, and actually, my, my daughter, Brigida, her middle name is Yudit as well. So uh, lots of Judys floating around. <laughs> anyway, so we're so happy uh, to have, and, and the Becks live with us. We created a little uh, extra flat for them in our house, and they've, they've been living with us for a little more year, 
Uh, and uh, so it's really cool to have a baby come home from the hospital into our home. Special. So the last baby that did it was like almost 20 years ago. Uh, our last baby, uh, Torstein, who's in the sound booth back there, uh, he was the last baby to come into this house, our home. So uh, we're blessed. Hallelujah. And, uh, you know, Gordon. It's not fair to have a grown man cry. It's hard. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. So, uh, can't imagine sending our daughter off, but in God's will. And uh, we know she's surrounded by love, so that's really awesome. Hey, before I get started, too, I, I need six volunteers. Later on, I'm going to ask you to read. I have verses printed up here. Six volunteers. I kind of would favor female voices, just because... We haven't had any female voices, so I'm going to ask Nehemiah to come forward and uh, take these out and hand them to, you know, it's anybody, anybody. The first six that want to read publicly. Yeah, kids can do it if the, if the parents feel like they have enough <laughs> maturity to do it. Uh, who will be next? There's number one, two, three. We're giving away all in the front row. <laughs> That's cool. That's very cool. <laughs> They're bartering for which one they want. <laughs> no, you don't, don't, just wait for people to raise their hands. <laughs> Work the other part of the room. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad I did this now. I was thinking of doing this in the middle. Of the, walk down, 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 all the way down. People out there, come on now, raise your hand. Who will raise their hand today? <laughs> oh, so you want? Action, add a few syllables to your word, like today, yeah. <laughs> Believe. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I was thinking of doing that in the middle of the sermon. I'm glad I did it before we got started. I mean, I believe in, you know, comic relief, uh, but uh, works in a Shakespeare play. So, we come to, uh, we're... If, if you've been with us, you know that we're preaching through Mark, and we're actually skipping a passage because the passage we're skipping is the Palm Sunday passage. It is the, uh, the triumphal entry passage, which we're going to be revisiting in a couple of weeks. So I decided to jump into what happened after the Palm Sunday event. And we have the cursing of the fig tree. I, I have one German reference, and we have some German friends. I think that's German words there. That, that's German. Does that mean cursing of the fig tree? It does. See, there you go. Figenbaums. Something like that? Oh, Feigen. <laughs> the cursing, the cussing of the tree, the tree cussing. Um, it's an interesting text. We already heard it read. And we're, we're really going to try to... Um, we sang a, a dear old hymn that said, "'Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus just to take him at his word." Uh, and that's where, what we try to do. And we're going to do that uh, again today, Lord willing. So Jesus comes to this, this uh, fig tree on this morning. He's hungry. He's looking for figs 
on this tree. And as it turns out, he's you know, looking in the wrong place. It says right in the text, it's not the time for figs. There's a big show of leaves, but there's nothing but leaves. And he, of course, would have known that. He, he knows everything. I mean, honestly, if you just step back, Jesus looking for something? You know, wait a minute, he's God. He knows everything. He knows that's all true. That's kind of, if it is human, he's truly human, truly God. It's always an interesting mix. Uh, but he's hungry, he comes, and there's no figs on it. And so he makes this strong statement. May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard it, it says in the text. So, uh, what's going on here? Uh, let's, first of all, let's just take it at face value. Uh, as, as all miracles, this demonstrates that uh, several things about Jesus. That he is God. He has control over nature. You, know, you could say it's kind of a, a, a minor... We, I mean, we know the end of the story. The fig tree withers. You already heard that in the text. Um, you kind of say this is a minor thing compared to, say, like, for example, he was on a boat in the middle of a terrifying storm a couple of times already, and the, the boat was about to capsize. It's taking on water, and the professional water guys are freaking out, uh, and it looks like it's going down, and he says, peace, be still, and whoosh, The water's totally glassy, flat. There's no wind. There's no storm. There's no more lightning and thunder. It's all, you know, wow. He's God. He does this with his speech. God is the, the being able to speak a world into existence. He, he's the non-material spiritual being who created all time and space in his desire, demonstrating his massive power. You know, we glibly say, you are the almighty God, right? Well, this text says that's what it means. He speaks and things happen. It is in his voice Jesus, therefore, as God, he is God. He demonstrates the nature of God. He's done it over and over and over again in the book of Mark and the other Gospels. Many miracles. He's raised the dead. You know, who goes to a funeral to preach the funeral and ends up raising the dead guy out of the casket? It doesn't happen. Jesus could do that. He's that kind of un unlimited power. That's what God is. And he, he does things in way different ways. You know, we have nice little English expressions that guard these things and hide them away so we'd never think about it. Uh, but it says, God works in mysterious ways, his wonders to perform. And you heard that, right? I think that was actually, I looked it up a while back. I think some English poet made that statement. Anyway, you can Google that later. <laughs> um, God works in mysterious ways his wonders to perform you know, this is a mis mystery you're coming to a tree that you know doesn't have figs you're looking for figs and you end up uttering a curse you could have uttered boom may you have figs every day for the rest of eternity right 
He could have said that, but he didn't say that. He decided to bring that tree down through his speech. So he has all power. He is not the half-mighty God. Praise ye the Lord, the half-mighty, the quarter-mighty, <laughs> the God who has to work through intermediate means to get anything done, and he's sure hoping it all turns out okay. <laughs> that No, no, not that God. The God of the Bible. Who, who, he, our God is in heaven. He does whatever he pleases. That's what the, the book of, uh, in the book of Psalms, it says that. He has all power. He's the Almighty. And then, like I said, Jesus may choose to perform a miracle as he pleases. We've had uh, blind men healed in different ways. One of them, uh, it's recorded that he made mud and smeared it on his eyes, and that healed him. Another man, he just speaks to him, and he gets healed. There's no set, rote way that God works. Uh, he, that's part of being God. See? He's, he's filled with surprises. He's rather unpredictable uh, by our finite minds. But he knows what he's doing. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus just to take him at his word. So I asked this question. But what is Jesus' point in this event? What is his point? And again, I'm saying, what is the point that Jesus will make? That's what we should, in discipline, ask ourselves whenever we come to the Word of God. What, what is the point this text is making? Right? You, I mean, everybody's going to agree with that, right? Nobody's going to say, no, no, let's just bring in a whole bunch of other stuff. It's more interesting that way. But in, in practice, sometimes that's exactly what we do. And actually, this is a prime case in point. But so this is what I'm saying. To make, it, to make my point clearer, I'm not saying not, what, not a point. What is a point we could understand from this? Or a, an interesting possible point that we could metaphorically come from this. But what is Jesus' point? What does Jesus say? And so... Look at the explanation. We're skipping over the cleansing of the temple. In Mark's chronology, he has this happening 24 hours later. Verse 20, as they, let me just read it again so we're all familiar with it. As they passed by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered away to its roots. And Peter remembered and said to him, catch the excitement. Here's Peter. Now, excuse me, Peter, before you say this, how, tell me how many miracles have you seen? Now, how many times has God saved your skin? <laughs> Snatching you from drowning in the water. Uh, how, many, how many people have been raised to, the, to life? How, how many blind people have seen? How many lame have walked? Hear him, ye deaf! His praise, ye dumb, your loosened tongues employ. Ye blind, behold, your Savior come. And leap, ye lame for joy. Hallelujah. It's all been happening. And all the church said, oh, yeah. <laughs> Amen. You know, leap, ye lame. Wait a minute. 
Lame don't leap. Blind don't see. <laughs> yes, they do. If they're miraculously healed, okay? So Peter, have you been there? Have you been there? Yes. But once again, in, in the wonder of human nature, I wasn't there quite. I, I mean, yes, I was there. But here, once again, look, Rabbi, look! <laughs> Jesus is going along, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah, remind me of what happened here. Um, Rabbi, look! The fig tree that you cursed has withered! <laughs> okay, maybe I'm a little overdrawn there, but I don't think so. I mean, I think that's the point here. It's really amazing, Jesus. Your words did something. <laughs> you you can perform your works through your will, through your speech. Okay. And verse 22, and Jesus answered them. And dear friends, my point is this, just to take him at his word. This is the point. This is the point. This is the point that Jesus is making. There may be a lots of other interesting points, possible other interpretations, but this is the point that Jesus is making. And you know what? It's a point the disciples need to hear. What is the point? And Jesus answered them, Have faith in God. Truly I say to you, see, it's like, please, Peter, please expand your practical, real theology. Become a theist and trust in God's amazing power. Have faith in God, truly. Uh, you, and I know you're all knowing this, but that, that's in the Greek. He puts the word amen there. Uh, the word truly is amen, which is Semitic, Hebraic. Uh, amen, I say to you. This is absolutely certain. Amen, I, I say to you. I say, the same cursor of the tree. I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his mouth, mind, excuse me, his heart, does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, the point is prayer. The point is trusting in the Almighty God. The point is being overwhelmed by situations we cannot handle, and we bring it to God, and we lay it all on Jesus, as we sang. I lay it all on Jesus. I, I, I lay it all, really, all of it. I ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. And verse 25 is awesome too. We're going to get to it. And whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone so that your Father also, who is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. All right. Now, so I've asked the point, what is Jesus' point? To me, it's super clear. It's not like hard to understand. 
What did you mean by the cursing of the fig tree, Jesus? I mean, dear friends, isn't this pretty straightforward? (laughs) Then why is it that, like, for example, in the ESV study Bible, it'll tell you it means something else? (laughs) Maybe it's because we don't really like this point. Maybe because this point comes a little too close to home. Let's talk about some metaphorical theology here. That's a little more comfortable. It's theoretical. And the point that Jesus is making is super practical. And that is that if you're going to be a follower of Jesus, you have to be a person of faith. You have to be a person who really trusts in God. We, we must be the people who really trust in God. Jesus drives home his point. I mean, he's driving it home. You ever hang out with really uh, powerful people who are very smart and you try to have an argument with them? Or a discussion. You ever ever had that? And you're like, on the spot, they come up with five great points and they hammer them home. And at the end, you're just a puddle of, you know, oh, yeah, I, you know, why didn't I see that? You know, you know I, I don't know if you, I have that experience way too frequently. <laughs> a little personal here, but uh, okay, 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 I got it, I got it. Why are you, but he's hammering it home. So you and I get it so we don't miss it. So let's talk about what it is. I've just put it out here in text for us. Hopefully you can semi-read it. To have faith in God. You know what's interesting? That phrase, exactly, have faith in God, this is the only place it is in the Bible. (laughs) You would think like that's everywhere. Because actually it's the essential message of the Bible. You know, the Bible trots on the scene and says, God created the heavens and the earth. And God is massive and powerful and amazing. And uh, you, you have sinned and you're alienated from God. And God has a plan to save you. And he has saved you through Jesus Christ. Have faith in God. Have faith in him. Um, it's a beautiful expression. Have faith in God. And one place it kind of comes close, and there's probably many, many places that kind of come close. But look, the men have been studying Titus. Titus chapter, uh, Titus chapter 3. And we just kind of mull over the texts on Tuesday mornings. And uh, I, I ran into verse 8. Uh, it's, it's a nice, interesting kind of summary verse about what should identify us as as believers. And so verse 8 of chapter 3 of Titus says this, the saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God, okay, that's the same, you know, verb, language, have faith in God, believed in God, Those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. The point is simply this. Here's Paul kind of making, how can I summarize this? What does it mean to be a believer? What does it mean to believe? What does it mean to be a Christian? Well, really what it means is you believe in God. (laughs) I'm sorry, is that like too simple? Uh, it just is so simple, it's beautiful, isn't it? 
Well, you know what? I'm somebody who believes in God. <laughs> that, I mean, it's, it's a summary statement of everything we're called to do. Believe and trust and live for and devote based on... If, he says, look at this again. That, so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. Based on what we believe, it motivates us to pay special attention to devoting ourselves to serving God. Super logical. You've heard me talk about the Shema in Deuteronomy 6 many, many times, if you've been here before. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And, and it says, therefore, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength, everything. You know, you're devoted to good works, to serving God, because you believe in this one God who is the creator of heaven and earth, who is the Lord of heaven and earth. So Jesus wants the disciples going into, this is, let's see, this is Fig Tree Monday. We had Palm Tree Sunday. This is called Fig Tree Monday and bleeding over into Fig Tree Tuesday. <laughs> um, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday is what we call Good Friday. The day he will be crucified and then buried. He's going to be pulverized, you know, horrible, executed. And the disciples, what, what are they going to be doing? All 12 of them are going to be, you know, around the cross, pushing away the Romans. This is our Savior. No, they're all running off. They all ran off and hid. They're scared uh, silly over this, except for John. John's the only one going to be there at the cross. So what I'm saying is, what message does Jesus want them to meditate on going into the, the most severe trial of their sweet little lives, you know? It's, it's, have faith in God. You saw me. I could curse a tree. I can heal a blind man. I can raise the dead. Now trust me through this event as well. Don't think about some theoretical, theological thing. That's not going to really help you. That's going to fall apart. I want you personally to be a believer. Amen? Now, I passed out six verses. We're just going to do a little meditation on trust in the Lord. So who has Psalm 37, verse 3? Okay, go ahead, Sam. Okay. Notice the tie-in there with Titus 3.8. Trust in the Lord and do good, dwell in the land, and befriend faithfulness. You're somebody who's faithful. You're going to stick at it. Why? I believe in God. Why are you here? God's called me to be here. I'm serving God. Whatever I do, do all to the glory of God. Whatever I do, He sees it all. So it's all significant. It's a beautiful thing. And I like this. Says, it says, dwell in the land. Look around you. This is where he's put you. Live there. Live there. Live in that neighborhood. (laughs) 
Wow, huh? It's kind of cool. Trust in the Lord. Do good. How about Psalm 40, verse 3? Somebody got Psalm 43? I think it's here. Stand up and read it really loudly. Amen. You know, I believe in God. I have a new song in my mouth. I'm not going to just sing about how rotten it is. I'm going to sing about how good He is. A song of praise to our God. Many will see it. This is evangelism. (laughs) Many will see it. And they will put their trust in the Lord. So somebody got the, the three verses in Psalm 115, verse 9. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Beautiful. Psalm 115, verse 9, 10, and 11. It said, O Israel, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. O house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. O you who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. What's shielding you? (laughs) What are you trusting? Psalm 125, verse 1. Amen, amen. It's the way we should be. You believe in God. You're not pushed around. You're not moved. You're on the right track. You cannot be moved. You will abide forever. And how about Proverbs 3, 5? The most popular in the group, Proverbs 3, 5. Amen. Again, we're commenting on Jesus saying, have faith in God. That's what faith looks like, to trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. Then finally, Isaiah 26.4. Yes. Amen, amen. The Lord God is an everlasting rock. So what is Jesus' point? You know, have, have faith in God. We're to, to be believers. We believe in Him. We believe in His power. Secondly, anyone may have similar results. That's what, look what the text, this is the, part, this is the hard part. You know, I'm not a Pentecostal, okay? So this feels a little uncomfortable. Uh, but look what he says. Truly, verse 23, truly, tr- you know, this is he's being emphatic. He doesn't say sometimes this might be. No, truly I say to you, whoever, see, anyone may have similar results. Whoever says, it's that speech element, speaking out what we desire God to do. 
and not hedging it. Yes, yes, everything is prayed according to his will. But, you know, sometimes I feel like we feel like we can't just say, God, please, please answer this way. Please deliver. Have mercy on me, O Lord. Truly I say to you that whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, he must not doubt in his heart. What, what is that? It's saying really, really have faith in God in this overwhelming situation. And we should be people who are bringing our request to God. Not just mulling it over, not just meditating on how massive it is, and not giving God like tons of excuses why he can't really do this. <laughs> no, we're to be people who say, God, please answer. Please work in this thing. Notice again, let me read the text. It says, does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says, again, this feels uncomfortable. But Jesus is saying, you saw me speak to the tree and it died. Now I want you to speak to God to do mighty things. We should be asking for mighty, huge things because God is huge and he's the almighty. We shouldn't be people who always think about the negatives, the stuff that can't happen. I'll never do this. I'll never be able to do this. We're supposed to say, God, please do this. You have all power. No, we, we're doing a little Easter outreach, and we're, we're, we're the people praying, oh, Lord God, could you bring 13 people? <laughs> right? I mean, seriously. Uh, we should be saying, God, bring 1,300, right? Wouldn't it be amazing if we ran out of eggs in our egg hunt? <laughs> Let's have some faith in God, and he's a big God. This is the text saying, ask for big things, eh? Ask in prayer. It just This is basically verbatim. Look again at the text. It says, but believes that what he says will come a pass. It will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, this is about prayer. Jesus spoke. It wasn't sort of a prayer, but it was a prayer. He said, you are cursed, tree. And Jesus is saying, Peter, have faith in God and start speaking what you want God to do for you. It sounds like a Pentecostal, but that's what it says, okay? Is that okay? It's okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to come around. I'll start sounding like a Baptist in a little while. <laughs> but what it really means. <laughs> um, it, look at that, but look at, I mean, tis so sweet to trust in Jesus just to take him at his word. And his word is, what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. It will be yours. Okay, again, I think this makes us uncomfortable. Why? Because in our actual practicality, it doesn't seem to happen like this. Like, not, not instantly. We pray for things and God doesn't do what we asked him, right? 
We pray for instant healing. We pray for healing, appropriately so. And God chooses not to heal. We pray for perhaps a, a swift and easy delivery of a baby. And lo and behold, mom's in labor for 45 hours. Or, or lo and behold, it's, you know, it becomes a, a C-section. But we prayed for a vaginal delivery, Lord, but you gave us a C-section. Why, Lord, what? And, and, and first of all, by the way, you're really in good company when you're anxious and dealing and wrestling with God about that sort of thing. The, the, the Bible's filled with people who wrestle with God. Uh, meaning, like, for example, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You're, you're so far from my groaning. I'm miserable here. You're over there. You're doing nothing. Please answer quickly. That's the Bible. It's the holy word of God. <laughs> Let's have a moment of reverence. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's, you know, I'm not wrong. <laughs> I'm totally right here. And so it's, it's okay to say, oh God, I'm disappointed that this didn't happen. I still trust you. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna hang in there. I'm gonna be faithful. I'm not gonna give up, but I am disappointed, but I trust you anyway. So please feel, don't feel permission to do that. I'm asking, I'm thinking the word tells us to do that. It's, it's good. Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. It's not blessed are those who deny their negative emotions and stuff them in a sack and pretend that everything's okay all the time. Those people are blessed. It's the people who mourn, who say, God, this stank. One of my most memorable funerals. I, I, I used to do, I've done a lot of funerals, let's put it that way. And one time I shared a funeral with a Roman Catholic priest. The guy who died was a believer, a Protestant believer. But he had a really good friend who was a Roman Catholic priest. You know, oh, oh. <laughs> and but I, what I remember about it is the priest came up and said that his first words were this: "This death stinks." And I, I was a young preacher. I was like 26 years old. I'm, oh, can you be honest in a funeral? <laughs> can you really say what you really think? You know. This, this guy had uh, died of an aneurysm. He was a great guy, a community man, a you know, family man, and he was 42, and it was rotten. And, and I'm just saying this. That's faithful, too. That's good, too. So I don't think any of this text leads us to saying that's unfaithful. Yet at the same time, Jesus is really nailing the points that he wants us to be people of prayer, who ask for big things, who expect and hope and not doubt, and work on that and grow in that. How do we define? Well, that person believes in God. They really believe in God. I can tell when they pray. They believe in God. All right. Now, let's get, we have just a couple more minutes, which is perfect. Look at verse 25. <laughs> 25 kind of brings us to this. When we are in need, it is a good time to forgive others. Jesus says it so much better than I did. He says, and whenever you stand praying, again, the text is clearly about prayer. Whenever you stand praying, forgive. 
if you have anything against anyone, so that your Father also, who is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. This is powerful. Not unique to Jesus. I mean, not unique to Mark. Jesus says this other times. He says it in the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our debts as we forgive those who sin against us. Forgive our trespasses as we forgive. My, my forgiveness is tied in with my being forgiving. And, and he says, if you have anything against anyone, it's just so easy to remember the harm that people did to us. You come to anniversaries, you think about, wow, this happened six years ago, eight years ago, seven years ago, and I'm still hurting over that. I, I, I really resent that person. I don't want to be in the same room with that person. Uh, they hurt me. And, and notice this text doesn't ever say you, you forgive them whenever they show enough contrition, right? Whenever they act sorry enough, then I'll forgive them. But it doesn't say that here at all. He says, forgive them. It's hindering your prayers. You're nursing a grudge, a hate. You're licking your wounds like a dog. And because of that, you, you don't, it doesn't look like you believe in God. It doesn't look like you believe in the sovereign God because you're, you're deep down, you're an angry person. You're, you've been harmed. Uh, no one's saying you haven't been harmed. Yes, yes, it was horrible. It was harm, verifiable. It was rotten. Yes, you've been sinned against. Yes, yes. And that's why you need to forgive. You, you forgive because it was sinful. Right? Amen? You know what I'm saying? We shouldn't forgive people by saying, oh, well, it really wasn't that bad. <laughs> That's not forgiveness. That's not Christian forgiveness. Christian forgiveness is based on confession. Hamalageo, to say the same thing about it that God says. It is wrong. It was wrong. It is sinful in the sight of a holy God. That's why it hurts. That's why I must forgive. And it seems clear. Maybe... Maybe the first part of the text, all the other five points, we're struggling with them so much because we're just tied up with not forgiving. We can't ask to have this thing thrown into the mountain, uh, I mean the mountain thrown into the sea, because we're, we've been harmed. I'm not ready to forgive. And Jesus is saying, you know, you've got to forgive. You've got to release it. Let it go. Again, it's so sweet to trust in Jesus just to take him at his word. Here is his word for you today. You stumbled into this church. He brought this text to you if you have anything against anyone. Forgive so that you may be forgiven. So, again, I, I don't want to leave it quite here because it, it, I think it's important to say that there are other ways Jesus taught this principle of prayer that are in the same context, within the same week he taught this. Uh, look with me at John 14. John 14, verses 13 through 14. It's, it's, it's sort of like... Um, uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Like a fuller understanding of 
what Jesus is, is teaching. He says, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. So that sort of sounds a little bit more con- conditional. You know, like, I ask in the name of Jesus for a red Lamborghini. You know, I got to have an Italian sports car, Jesus. <laughs> right? It's just like, wait, wait a minute. Now, that can't be in the name of Jesus. Uh, you can ask for a Honda. You know, not even Acura. <laughs> uh, in the name of Jesus. And look at 15.7. I have the references on the screen, too. Very similar, again, in the same week that he said the words in Mark, he said these words, verse 7, 15, 7. If you abide in me, see, now there's another big if. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. That's the context. Jesus is clearly saying, um, we're not supposed to, don't ask for things that are outside of God's will, that would, you know, Lord God, I want to, you know, live with five sexy women or you know, some ridiculous, horrible idea, sinful. No, ob- you know, that, right? I didn't need to say that. In fact, I wish I hadn't said that. <laughs> but, but you get the point. The point is, that's what he means. Yes, you're asking in the will of God, in the name of God, when you're abiding in me and my words abiding in you, that we ask for big work that God wants to do. And this text should be challenging to us. Uh, It should be saying, you know, let us be people who believe in God. Can can anybody tell if you believe in God or not? By your your mental attitude, by your prayer life? Are are you singing for joy so that other people are attracted to the Lord? Are you rejoicing in the Lord always? Let's pray. Father, please, in your grace, help us to hear the words of Jesus. This morning, thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for the challenge that this text has. We don't want to be diverted by other things when Jesus clearly interprets this as an opportunity to challenge us to trust you. Help us to have that said of us. He trusted. She trusted in the Lord. She had faith in God. Amen.